We have a really good bond with the community in Keswick. It's a community spirit and I enjoy that and that's what it's all about. And I think if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't be in the roles that I do. You're listening to the Better Stories podcast with Sam Lloyd, taking inspiration from our communities and people. Hello and welcome to the latest Better Stories podcast. Now today I'm joined by a very special guest who really is an integral part of his local community. He knows everyone and everyone knows him. So I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Jeff Gilmore, manager of Keswick Leisure Pool. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. How are you doing? Very well, Sam. Very well. Thank you. Great to have you on board for a chat today. Now, let's talk about the day job first and foremost, as I gather that you've worked at Keswick Leisure Pool since its first day of opening. So when was that? And what are your memories of that day? That was August 1987. That's when we opened. Everybody wanted to come into the leisure centre because it was unique to the to the the area and to also Cumbria because it was the only one that had a wave and a slide. 1987. So you really are a stalwart of Keswick Leisure Pool. You know, you've been there for quite some time, haven't you? Did you always want to get involved in leisure then? Being born and bred in Keswick, it was nice to sort of have that feeling that I would be doing something again, you know, working working with people uh, that's local. So that was one of the main sort of attractions. As long as you're serving the community, and that was the main focus for me, you know, keeping the community sort of enjoyed in, with the building that we've got and supporting the local community, that was all what it was about. And I guess it just goes to show how pivotal leisure facilities can be in terms of a central part of a community, you know, for people to go, not only uh, participate in physical activity, but it's a social thing as well. It's a focal point for any community, isn't it? It is. And I think this last, you know, the last 12 months has been really hard for the local community in Keswick because, you know, like you say, it was a focal point where, you know, they would they would come and they would meet and then have the swim and then they would probably go off and have a coffee down in, in, in a town somewhere. But, you know, we just it's it's been a hard sort of 12 months because even I bump into these people when I'm walking through town, they're, they're so keen and, and wanting to know when, you know, we're getting back and what's the developments we're doing at the moment to, to get back. But, you know, we we just got to hold on a little bit longer and I'm sure we'll all be back there at some point enjoying um, what we've had and what we've, we've always had. And that is a really great community spirit. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope we'll be back very soon indeed, uh, taking part and enjoying in the facilities. I mean, tell me a little bit about the facilities because I gather they're very family orientated. It is. Keswick's more what you would class as a wet weather facility. Um, it's Keswick itself is a tourism place. You've got Penrith and Cockermouth either side of us, but they're more your industrial sort of towns where Keswick thrives on its tourism. And with our facility, we, we've got, it's not a massive facility, but it, it's great for seeing the families come along and we'll get people coming out for the, for the days and uh, they'll come to us and spend a couple of hours at the leisure center with the kids and have the waves and the slides and then move on from there to, to go into town and have a browse around the shop. So it is a focal point for people to get out. And it is interesting to see how many people we, you know, we get from 
that's travelled some of the distances to, to get to us just for the day. But, you know, in summer when, when it rains, you know, we've, we've got queues going out the doors uh, for people wanting to try and get in. And on sunny days, you know, everybody wants to be out on the, on the hills or down by the lake or doing their own thing. Now, you're a manager, you're a trainer, you're an assessor at the pool. You also teach first aid to the staff. You are in a busy man, aren't you? I do. Um, <laughs> most of my roles um, I've adopted, so they've, you know, I, I'd sort of change with the times. And I've said in the past is that whatever I can get from outside or whatever activities that I do and I can bring back into the centre and share them with the staff, that, you know, that's what I, I intend to try and do. And with the mountain rescue side of it, you know, the the training and everything that we get with the mountain rescue team uh, with the first aid and the, and the skills that we use. You know, the staff at the pool are very, very much keen to, uh, to, to work alongside of doing some bits of extra training, not just what we actually have set planned for us, but doing something extra that, you know, makes them think a little bit more of, of what they are doing with the first aid side. And it's not just a matter of, you know, we're ticking the box to say that, this is what we've done today, but actually making them work in small teams as well. And that's interesting for them to, to do. Is that what you would say makes the facility so special that your team go and obviously including you because you lead by example, but you go above and beyond to create that very special, unique community feel? Yes, I definitely believe in that. What we sort of do, well, what I do with the, with, the, with the staff and the train, it makes them feel like they're, they're more part of a team and it makes them think as part of a team. And that's what we're all about is we're not all individuals. You know, we are a big, massive team player and that's what it's all about. And, and if we get what we do right and we're training properly, then, in, you know, the community and the, and the people that come and support us, you know, they... They have the same expectations of us. You know, they, they know that they're in a very safe place when they come to the leisure centre. The best thing about it is seeing your staff with smiles on their faces and then really enjoying what they're doing. Let's talk about your other love, as you've hinted in our chat so far on Better Stories, because you're born and bred in the Lake District. You refer to the fells as your back garden, and I know you explored them as a child growing up and, and later took up fell running. But you joined the mountain rescue team 17 years ago. So tell me a little bit about how that came about, because you obviously have a huge love of where you're from, but also a huge love of being outdoors. Well, it all started 17 years ago with using my skills that I had at the centre with the first aid knowledge and training knowledge and my basic background with knowing the hills and the area that I've been brought up in. That was one of the big things that really sort of set it off for me. And I knew a couple of uh, people that was already in the team and basically I said to them, I look, you know, is, is there any chance that, you know, I'm, I'm really keen on, on doing this and joining the team. Had no idea at all how how the mountain rescue team worked or anything like that at that point. And they said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get in touch with you. And then I got a phone call to say, would you would you mind, Jeff, if you would like to come down to a, a training session one evening and just uh, have a look at what we do? And, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but, you know, you might like it and... And I did. And 17 years, I'm still there. And I have to ask you about the first week that you were involved, because I gather 
it was pretty much a baptism of fire for you because you had some rather challenging, shall we say, and difficult situations to face. Tell us a little bit about that. It was. Um, it was on a Thursday evening when it was uh, one of the meetings and you have to then get sworn into the team. They have to vote on you. And I'd already done my year's probation period before then. And then I got accepted on the Thursday evening. So basically I was now a full member of the Keswick Mountain Rescue Team. And on the Saturday, uh, my pager went off and it was uh, in the woods not far from where I work. And it was uh, to deal with um, a person who was vulnerable and basically and gone missing. And we got there and it was it was quite hard because you sort of don't know your your, your adrenaline's going and you, you don't know what to do. We met the rest of the team that was already called out and we were going to look for somebody, um, a local person who had gone missing. And at that particular point, there was um, the search dogs had come in. So the search dogs going before we actually go into and they'd gone into the woods. And it was shortly after that that the dogs had started barking. And we all knew that that was a, a find at that point. So the team was a selected team to then retrieve a body. And that was quite hard at first because you, it's your first rescue. You've never, you know, you've never witnessed anything like this before. So you dig deep and you sort of, you know, your team you, you're around you and then we waited and it wasn't until um, I realised that when the family arrived, I knew who I was going for. And it was quite, quite emotional because I'd actually spoken to this person a week prior to, to them uh, going missing and they sounded quite happy and everything else. Very, di very difficult scenario to to encounter especially how close-knit the community of Keswick is and you all know each other and I gather another um, situation occurred in your first week about a, an elderly lady with dementia. It was that was the end of the week so that was a, a week after and basically that was my next call out and this lady it was uh, the alarm was actually raised by the milkman and the postman and uh, she hadn't collected the milk or she hadn't been to pick up the post and they raised the alarm for the police then obviously it became a search and we went on the search and we set off most of the afternoon and into the evening till around about midnight and the search got called off because we, we, we hadn't made a find and it was only uh, the next day we decided that it would be best if we bring a helicopter into it which had um, heat seeking devices and it was those that uh, then detected uh, in the thickets of the bracken and, and the gorse that uh, they'd found a body and we went and found and the lady was found alive and it was it was very good news and she'd actually been there overnight all night and she'd set off and all she wanted to do was every year she goes bramble picking so uh, <laughs> she kept herself alive on eating the brambles that she'd picked most the previous day so it was a very oh, good outcome. Safe and well, she was, you know, happy to see everybody, but you know, a little bit cold and and great to see family as well. So that was a very good out outcome to that. Yeah, without question. I mean, the work, Jeff, of Mountain Rescue have, has really become increasingly diverse in recent years. It's not just about mountain rescues, is it? No, it isn't. And when. You know, when I first started, most of the um, all the call-outs, most of them at that point would be to go and, 
you know, it'll be a lower leg injury or, um, you know, th that sort of type of injury that you would go and, or somebody was lost on the fells and you'd go and do your searching. But as time's gone on as a as an agency, we've we've worked very much with all the other agencies, with the police and the ambulance and the fire crews. And we now, when we had the floodings, and we you know we we helped out with everything that we do with that. So we have to train, we have to move with the times, as they say, and we have to then increase our skill levels to be able to cope with those times. And we, you know, we, we, we're part of that now where we get called. Obviously, we're unpaid. We, we're 365 days a year and we're 24-7 call out. So you can imagine, you know, if the police need us, they will, they will give the, the team leaders a call and, and we'll respond if we need to or, or we can help the assistance. But in the floodings, we, we're all trained up as swift water rescue technicians. So we, we're out there and we deal with the fast flowing rivers and, and getting people out of houses and making sure they're safe and well and, and helping around with the community basically and making sure everything's you know, in the safe. Well, you and the team do a phenomenal job and, and all mountain rescue teams across the country. I want to talk to you about you know, the pandemic and the last 12 months because how has that had an impact, shall we say, on your role as part of the mountain rescue team? Uh, it made it increase, incre increasingly hard because, you know, we, we're all volunteers. We've got people that we're shielding and, you know, we, we still want to do our best for everybody and, and help them. And, you know, we have to now go out with full PPE on. And when we come back, we've got to get the, you know, the vehicle stripped down, cleaned, disinfected. The, the kit has to be done. There's a lot more involved in it at the moment to deal with, you know, going out there. And, you know, some of the teams have actually dealt with COVID cases as well. So it is it is hard uh, to, at the moment, but I'm sure we'll get through it. We will, because let's talk about a positive note, because I gather two years ago... <laughs> you uh, met two very, very special people. I am, of course, talking about uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. What was that experience like? Tell me about that day, because it must hold very special memories for you. Uh, it was very special for myself, and it was also very special for my partnership manager, uh, Martin Horn. Basically, it was for the Royals to actually speak to the businesses uh, that were allowing people like myself to go out into the community and do the voluntary roles that we were doing. And it was a very special day for Martin and for him to be thanked on behalf of me as well, I suppose, for allowing you know my, my role that I do at the pool and then to go out when we need to go out and, and do the support with the Keswick Mountain Rescue Team. So it was a very special day. Um, it was one that we'll both remember for a long time and uh, hopefully they did say that they would come back at some point and uh, do it all again. So I'll, I'll be waiting for that moment to arrive. <laughs> well, it's huge recognition and that's what you all deserve. Do you remember what they asked you or what you spoke about in your conversation? Well, Prince William was actually, he worked with the Sea Kings in Valley, which is in in North Wales. Yes, he did. Yes. He actually was on a couple of the rescues, not on the ones that I've been on, but they we used them uh, on call outs. So he was very familiar with the flying over the lakes and he and you know he said that he'd often say, Well I've been and, and we landed over there when they were flying over going back to Valley and 
and so you know we'd had a rescue down in that one that valley and he was he was really uh, pleased to be able to talk to us on on behalf of mountain rescues because he he was involved with some of them it must have made you incredibly proud that moment that recognition um you know definitely a day that you'll never forget definitely definitely yeah and it was and you know for even though they only speak to you for a very short moment because their program's quite full for the day it's just the fact that you know they they give their time to to come out and and speak to us and shake your hand and say thanks very much for all the effort that you do with the voluntary sectors and you know thanking martin for for allowing that to happen and and it, it was yeah it'll definitely definitely stick in my mind for a long time there is uh, an extra bit to this for the queen's jubilee diamond jubilee we after 10 years of service we got a medal we all got given for 10 years of service with them and that was you know that was given from the queen to say thanks very much and just recently uh, we got the Queen's Award, which for voluntary service, that's the highest award you can ever get for voluntary service. And all the teams uh, that have been and the team members all got a badge and, and, and a thank you letter to say thanks very much for what you're doing. I think that reflects, doesn't it, of all the brilliant stuff that you're doing. Another very proud moment in your career, I would say. Very proud, especially when the, the we got the Queen's Voluntary Award. And, you know, to, to be able to have that as um, a thank you to look back on what you've done and for the community that we've been doing it, uh, it it's it's very much appreciated that you know we we do get awarded for what we do now jeff we have to talk about jake your border collie because i gather you're training him to be a mountain rescue working scent dog so how's the training going uh, well, we're not training at the moment. Uh, everything else is on lockdown, but uh, Jake's a two-year-old Border Collie, and he was actually got for me for my 50th birthday. And, um, yeah, he, it, it's with being in the Mountain Rescue Team, Border Collies and you know, you've got your Labradors, they, they are the sort of the working dogs that we would use mainly for going out on searches and, and to find people. And the the worth the work ethic to these dogs is you know it's quite a lot. So you know I thought well you know I've got a border collie I'm in the mountain rescue team, yeah I'll I'll try and see what happens. Um, didn't intend to set out on down that path to to be a search dog handler, but um, two years down the line we're in stage one at the moment um, of four stages because it takes it takes about two to three it takes about three years in total to get your dog through the stages and you know they are they are very young dogs um they don't really mature properly till the four years old so hopefully by the time he gets to his uh, fourth birthday we'll hopefully be we're through and be a full search dog team oh fingers crossed for that you've obviously got a very very special bond with him we have yeah we've got that uh, working bond uh, jake obviously knows when when training night comes along and i get his search dog jacket that he has these bells on and he knows as soon as that picks up then basically he knows he's going out for the training session uh, and he loves it and you know it's it takes a long time to to get your dog trained i mean jake's at a stage now where he will go out or i'll set him off um, and we work the hillside and we put um, professional bodies out there that know how to deal with the dogs when they come in and find and get found 
So Jake will go out now and he's working small areas of the hills and the woods. And when he gets to find a body, he'll bark and indicate. And that tells me that he's found um, somebody. So he'll get a small reward by the body at that point. It may be a bit of food reward uh, or <clears throat> or just a, just a simple thing. That's good boy, Jake. And basically then he'll then come back. And as he gets back to me, he barks and indicates at me. And I know fine well at that point that he's he's actually found somebody. And then he takes me back in to find where he's found the body. Just goes to show, though, how instrumental the role of the dog can be in this context, doesn't it? It is. It is. Um, a dog can work uh, up to about equivalent to about 11 people in a search line. Um, so you, your dog can work areas that... You know, you, you would need lots of volunteers of mountain rescue personnel to do with, with the areas that we have to go and search in. And basically, the dogs normally go in first. It's As if you imagine, it's like a crime, a crime a scene incident. Um, you don't want people trampling over the area. You want the dog to be the best it can. And the dog will go out there and it's uh, they're, they're air scenting dogs. So they will pick up the scent from somebody who's fallen or is hiding, you know, down by the rivers or anywhere like that. And they, they work at a fast rate. And, you know, we're normally quite pleased when we're out there. The dogs are going in first because normally it can be, it saves you probably about a two-hour search. It can maybe only asked about half an hour when the dogs make the find. So it is great to see them work. And, of course, that time that you just alluded to could be absolutely oh. crucial, couldn't it, in, a, in any kind of rescue? It is. Time's critical with all our rescues that we go out. When when my pager goes at work and I'm obviously allowed to go, uh, we, we get down to the base um, and we're out within five to ten minutes of the first call coming out. Now, some of these calls could be up on the hillside, which takes us about 40 minutes to get to some of these casualties. So the casualties are going to be there on the hillside for some time before we actually get there. And depending on what sort of injuries they are, we also have the backup of the air ambulances that, that, that can get to the hillsides as well and, and deliver, you know, first-hand experience with the, the trauma doctors being there and everything else, depending on what the scenario is that they're going into. Well, let's hope, fingers crossed, that the training with Jake can resume very soon indeed. But, Jeff, you know, chatting to you, you're such an inspiration. You're such a real people's person you put huge emphasis on the community what gives you your passion would you say for what you do at Keswick Leisure Pool and indeed being part of the mountain rescue team it's it's a commitment that you really want to do um you set out and and it's it's seeing people enjoying themselves and and you know with the mountain rescue side, people go out onto the fells to enjoy the scenery, to enjoy the life that they like doing out. And 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 when things go wrong, it's it's nice to be able to be there to help people out. Uh, and with the work, it's nice to see people that are coming in and enjoying the day and 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 going away and and seeing them again. You know, that's the main thing is seeing these families coming back. You know, week after week after week. Uh, enjoying the facilities because the you know the kids love it so much and and you know we have a really good bond with the community in Keswick and it's just for them to come and be able to sit and chat with us and it, it's a community spirit and I enjoy that and that's what it's all about and and I think you know if if it wasn't for that then I wouldn't be in the roles that I do. Well, Jeff, 
as I've said already in our chat, you're a true inspiration. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah. Keep up the good work in terms of what you do for the community. Stay safe. Take care. And thank you so much for being such a lovely guest on Better Stories today. Well, thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Better is the charitable social enterprise that operates leisure centres, gyms, swimming pools and libraries across the UK. For more information, visit www.better.org.uk or download the Better app. Better Stories, taking inspiration from our communities and people.